0: laser focus the deep dive podcast of pop culture goodness from Nerdist my name is Kyle Anderson your host with something approaching the most I won't say all of the most Um, this week we are talking about another fate I think one of the most uh, beloved franchises out there at least uh, properties we'll get into the franchisee aspect of it a little bit too Um, we are talking about Avatar the Last Airbender which I have to say is something I've come to much later than a lot of people and we'll get into that too but to talk about that this week another returning champion it is our news editor at Nerdist and just all-around uh, ray of sunshine uh, it's Ro Rusak hi Ro
1: hello so glad to be back on here to chat about ATLA
0: yes uh, if you recall uh, Ro was on last to talk about Power Rangers in space which is a show that I still think about <laughs> regularly.
1: <laughs> yeah, so,
0: Um. But yes, before we get into that, uh, we're going to talk specifically about, um, and this was Ro's kind of idea about this discussion, is like, not just the show in general, because there's a lot to get into, but like specifically Zuko and his arc, which I think is uh, super fun. So we're going to get into that. But first, of course, we have to do the Nerdy Nine, because no one has told me to stop. So please, Ro, <laughs> pick a number between one and nine.
1: Um, I'll pick two this time.
0: Picking number two. And so number two is what is your favorite TV show? I know (laughs) the answer to this, but for everyone, and probably if anybody follows you, they know the answer to this. Uh,
1: Wow. Little known fact about me that, you know, <laughs> the few people have ever heard. I my favorite show is this little show called Hannibal. Oh, and okay. I plugged it last time at the end of my Power Rangers show and I'll plug it this time because why not? But I won't plug it at the end this time. So okay. we'll 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 oh, we'll, we'll we'll vary it. Um but that's that's the truth um, of the of the <laughs> no. question, and you should all watch Hannibal because it's a great show. It's satisfying in the way we're going to talk about Atlas. Satisfying. It doesn't let you down, and it's available on streaming. So huzzah! It's
0: true. Watch it's Hannibal. a really good show. I'm a big fan of Hannibal. I, I got into it when it was on. I think it was maybe when it was first on one of the streaming sites. <laughs> um. And everybody had talked about it. It was on, as we all know, kind of not a good day of the week for TV shows, which was Saturday, Friday, and Saturday, right? Were the days that it was on.
1: Well, Hannibal, uh, this is this is a whole other podcast. It's, it's true, it's gone all over Hannibal, the place. Hannibal, uh, yes, Hannibal moved around a lot throughout the week, and then for its like final gasps of breath, they kicked it over to like the the Friday Saturday. I think it used to be on something more central. I don't remember the exact day, Who, if you can believe, but it was definitely on at 10 p.m., so that always kicked it down mm. a little. Um, but it was really a show. And again, this is a different podcast, but that should have been on streaming, and that's yeah.
0: the truth. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's... The, absolutely. Well, I was just shocked that when I was watching it, I was like, this was on network television? Like, I, I, I think... I can't remember if it was about to start season two or if it had just finished season two when I watched it on streaming. But at mm-hmm. any rate, I'm sitting there and I was watching, you know, multiple episodes at a time as one does on streaming. And at a certain point I was just like, I got to take breaks between these episodes. They're so dark and twisted and bloody and stuff. And like, even for me, I was like, who is a You know, a uh, a uh, self-confessed horror (laughs) fanatic i was still just like this is really heavy stuff it's a great show it's a really wonderful show and a really beautiful show too um it's one of the best looking kind of horror dramas that's ever been on tv um and i told brian that to his face (laughs) no i mean i did but
1: absolutely yeah and brian should hear it all the time because it's the truth yeah. Um so we'll have we'll have to do a head of episode yeah, sometime sure. just to do it. Why not? Because yeah. every and episode with me is a little bit ahead of us.
0: And I, I it'll it's been a long time since since I revisited it. Uh I think well actually, you know what? I don't think I I've watched it since the like series essentially series finale aired. Mm. So that was several wow. years ago at this point. Yes. Um but you know
1: Yes <laughs> <guess> it was.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, Quite a few. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Anyway, so we will. Yes, we will. Ha- we will have to do. I mean, obviously, when's your birthday? Obviously, we'll, we'll do it for your birthday. <laughs> it's
1: October sixteenth. So oh, we'll do it for your birthday. It's too soon. Um,
0: <laughs> too soon. But anyway. Uh, so My
1: birthday soon.
0: But we are talking about one of your other favorite shows. I guess. Do you yes. like? I don't know. Okay. So we're talking about Avatar: The Last Airbender, um, which I, I feel like doesn't need a ton of setup for most people. It's it's um, a show that kind of it was on Nickelodeon. Uh, it aired on Nickelodeon. And I think that was the reason why I didn't really think about it too much. It was, you know, started airing in 2005. Um, I was in college like the end of college. And so I was just like, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a kid show or whatever. Um, and then I just started hearing people talk about it for, you know, over the next several years and it still has a massive, massive fan base. Um, And when you go back and watch it, you can see why, because like, obviously, especially early on, the tone is, you know, it kind of fluctuates. There's a bit of, you know, what I would call like little kid lightness, you know, stuff like something that's easy for kids to watch. But the fact that it's serialized and the fact that all the characters are so deep and well drawn and have such like major arcs, it reminds me a lot of, um, you know, stuff. Well, like I'm a, you know, Star Wars dude, but like star wars the clone wars and rebels kind of started the same way where both of them started as kind of more kid-friendly shows and they sort of grew up with the characters um and you know voltron for that matter um i think it was when i started watching voltron i was like oh this is has a similar vibe to avatar the last airbender and come to find out a lot of the same people worked (laughs) on it so anyway um when what's your sort of beginning story with avatar did you watch it right from the get-go
1: yeah, that's actually really interesting. I was thinking about it and I can't actually remember like this is the first time I watched it or like when it was, but it must have been when I was in college. I didn't I didn't have Nickelodeon growing up because we did not have cable in the household. Um, so I and, you know, it was hard to we were talking about this a little with Power Rangers, but it was hard to access those kind of long ranging shows because box yeah. sets weren't really like a thing, you know, you couldn't like online and have 5 million streamers to just like log in and watch something so it was really hard to watch a serialized show if you didn't you know watch it every week um so I I didn't definitely didn't watch it on Nickelodeon but I I watched it at some point I think I think after the show had ended definitely um but I've actually think I've re-watched avatar you know i think the only thing i've rewatched in completion more than avatar is hannibal i think i like rewatch it <laughs> once every two years or so and like all of it because it's like it's a yeah like we were saying it's a great show the arcs are really well made and it's very satisfying i feel like that's my buzzword for it and that's kind of why i felt like we should talk about it it's like mm. a show that sets up its conceits, creates its characters, and then you follow them down the line to sort of their natural conclusions. And it never tries to like, sleight of hand you or like sudden plot twist you or we have to throw in this shocking turn of events just because it's shocking. You kind of You kind of can feel where it's going and then it goes there. And I feel like that's very satisfying and why so many people love it because the ending and endings are notoriously hard, especially for long running shows with many episodes and like that people really like root for. The ending is really satisfying and that is what leaves you with a good taste in your mouth when when you're done watching and makes you want to like revisit it. So.
0: Yeah. yeah, well I mean absolutely because there's so many of those shows that had bad or sort of like lackluster endings that I kind of it's it sours like your ability to go back and watch. Like the one that really stands out to me is Lost, which like I was all in and then I just didn't like the ending and you know, not that I I'm alone on that, but um uh it's just like why why would I put myself through that again, you know? <laughs> and even right, some of the ones exactly. that have kind of kind of sort of disappointing endings like I don't think the X-Files had the best ending and certainly when it came back I don't think it did a very good job but like there's enough like I was like okay it's not it doesn't ruin the show it's just not the best whereas I think Lost might have ruined itself by kind of not answering so many things but I I love the fact that Avatar the Last Airbender which the only reason it's called that is because uh well no not the only reason it's called that but the word avatar has now sort of been co-opted by james cameron and that is a bummer but uh because that's been around forever but um uh uh each of the each of the seasons is it's is a book uh, you know it focuses on a specific um uh what do we call them groups (laughs) i guess elements really but
1: yes um, nations maybe elements elements, nations yeah
0: um but they're all roughly the same length you know there are you know 20 2020 and 21 episodes respectively. So like um, you get a real sense of growth uh, for each one. They explore the characters, they explore the, you know, the premises and you do see, they, they do in fact grow and change, which is, you know, part and parcel to what we're talking about with Zuko who started out as the literal antagonist. And then, you know, I, I love stuff like that. And actually it's like, it's so much more grown up something like that than, um, e- not so much more, but something akin to characters on like a game of Thrones or something like that, where it's like, they start out as pure bad and then they become kind of not as bad or whatever. Uh, and even fight on the, on the side of the righteous. or whatever. it's,
1: It's interesting that you bring up game of Thrones because I feel like I feel game of Thrones, my feelings about game of Thrones are complicated. Um, but I feel like to me, and this comes into the conversation of Zuko, but like, I'm a, I'm, shall we say, an anti-hero connoisseur. I love me an anti-hero. Sure. Um, and so, of course, I, like, could clock Jamie from a mile away, even though I hadn't, like, really read the books or whatever. I was like, yeah, you know, like, there he is. That's kind of the character. He's, he's in with the evil. He is evil. He does a lot of evil things. But then you can kind of tell maybe it's not, like, evil to the core. And then in the finale, the final season, I mean – I feel like they actually did a really good job with Jamie. I feel like they went ninety percent of the way on this yeah. like really compelling arc for him where, yeah, he finally did it. He rode north. I was like, he rode north. Yes. That's what I wanted for him this whole time. He joined the club. There were all these, you know, complicated dynamics. Could they accept him? What was up with Brienne? And then like they resolved those in like ways that felt really good. And then in the last minute, they were like oh, forget like that was
0: everything
1: he worked toward and then they just tossed it out the window and that's where they lost it because it was no longer satisfying because for like jamie's whole arc he'd gone on this journey he'd had this growth he'd figured out a new way to be and then at the last minute they were like no and that is exactly where with zuko they were like yes and like that that is the beauty of Suko's of arc, because what is the point of setting yeah. up these characters if at the last minute you're just going to squash it or make them evil again or just be yeah. like, growth isn't real? Uh,
0: yeah, they committed. They knew what they wanted to do from the get-go, it seems like, where there is growth. And, you know, you put, um, position your hero and your villain, as it were. Aang is so childlike and silly at the beginning and zuko is so like hard-edged and like serious and and you know seemingly a true believer in his dad's cause of the fire nation and then as the show goes on they both kind of they start to meet in the middle a bit in terms of like their personality and their kind of you know and ang obviously doesn't like go to the dark side or anything like that but he grows hair so there's like you know that's growth literally <laughs> but um and and Zuko does too like the the idea that he does um, good
1: hair it's great hair
0: (laughs) (laughs) it is it's very good hair but that like he is literally changed by his his um interactions with Aang and the the good the good people um and I also like that not everybody on the Fire Nation side with Zuko you know notwithstanding is just evil you know what I mean I feel like um, uncle Iro is sort of like a good example of that too, where like, you kind of like him a lot. Like he's just a really nice, he's like the, the heart of the show in a lot of ways. Um, and yet he's, you know, he represents evil in a lot of ways because that's who the fire nation is representing at the time. And so it's, it, you get a lot of why Zuko would kind of be like, I don't actually want to kill all these people and subjugate them. Um, whereas, you know, not everybody, uh, subscribes to that.
1: Yeah, I think I think Zuko occupies this this really interesting narrative space that is like I said, the one that I really enjoy where it's like he has this connection to Aang that nobody else has. Um because they are like kind of positioned as these two like central fixtures of like their respective sides or what Mm -hmm. have you so Aang does have these group of this group of people around him all these main characters but like he's like the prominent main character of those main characters and then Zuko is like the prominent like anti hero antagonist ish character so they have this like two sides of the same coin sort of narrative real estate so they kind of have interactions that like hit in a different way than the other characters' interactions do. And I I think that's always really interesting and I think mm-hmm. that's like I'm um, a space that many characters come to occupy in different works of, of fiction um but then that sort of crossover, that like, this character does occupy it. Like we talked about before this a little, like about Rey and Kylo Ren, right? They both have this power, this right. strength, this connection to one another. But like we we don't get to see that realized almost um, because, you know, in that case, it's like he dies. Um, so it's like yeah. there's so much interesting dynamic in that, that kind of relationship. And then Atlas is like, okay, they have it. But we'll explore it as antagonists, but also then as, like, how does that move to, like, a respect and a friendship. And that, to me, is very appealing. Um,
0: Yeah. And definitely not to just, I mean, I you know, I I made a face just now. But um, (laughs) obviously, there were some storytelling issues, let's say, with the Star Wars sequels. Um, Of course. But, you know, it's like they couldn't decide... You know, there are too many cooks in the kitchen, I think is another problem. But like if they were going to commit to Kylo Ren redeeming himself or trying to redeem himself, they did not do a good enough job of setting up that that was what was going to happen. And then it comes so late that he has already established himself as like a true evil person. And then it's like, nah, just kidding. And so then it's like for there to be narrative satisfaction, like they have. Well, it'll be much easier if we just kill him off. Uh, because exactly. obviously there's um you know he's committed war crimes and whatnot but um yeah whereas zuko it's like it it like not fully but like it takes a long time and and then we also have exactly. his sister who was set up as like oh no she's like in it to win it so like you have <laughs> a foil yeah. for him where like because he's you know and there's there's obviously like gender politics and stuff in that as well because she's um she by rights could probably, you know, be the actual like heir or whatever, but she's not, you know, to the the fire lord and all that stuff. Um uh and so you get like members of his family who are like super in it, and you get members of his family who are not, and also like so he can make a choice onto himself. It's not just I'm evil, I'm evil, I'm evil, just kidding, I'm good. Like cause that isn't Yeah, satisfying. Exactly.
1: Exactly. I feel like you need both of those components kind of right. Like with Jamie, for instance, you he he's mm. also kind of in that committed war crimes, terrible person, terrible family. And right. then they spend so much time getting him to the other side. And then they are like just kidding. And then with Kylo yeah. Ren almost it's like they don't spend enough time, they redeem him and they're like goodbye. And then I feel like Zuko is like that falls into this this good place for this trope that recurs that I think these these properties do try to achieve in some way this this redemption Mm -hmm. of this like gray character and then it's like you get enough time with him when he's evil you get a compelling sort of change like the change doesn't happen overnight and then you also get him on the side of good which is like all three of those things coming together i feel like it's such a rare confluence of events for this trope that feels really like it should happen a lot like as far as fans go like i'm obviously big in like fandom circles and on the fan side like that's so much of like fan fiction fan thoughts like people are committed to this like idea of this like gray character becoming a good character but like in the Mm -hmm. media itself it often gets shortchanged but i feel like it does not get shortchanged in and that's like why Zuko is such a compelling case. I'm um, to watch, <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to bring up specific, I mean, there's a, obviously a lot of great episodes. Also, I'm looking at the who directed a lot of season one, it was Dave Filoni. Go figure. Um, anyway, um,
1: <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> see, episode
0: 12 of the first season, I right know. Uh, episode 12 is The Storm, which uh, gives the um. Uh, uh origins of both ang and uh zuko and you get to see like how different their upbringing is and like how um you know it one is you know they're both sort of like the the opposites uh in a lot of ways not just that they are opposed uh you know in the war but like uh ang is sort of just like brought up and like he's they everyone knows he's the avatar because he chose these particular ones and he was just like i just i just chose these toys because they were fun looking um not that they represented anything and then you get to see like zuko had a hard upbringing and that he um you know from from birth was sort of raised to be the next in line as the fire lord and everything like that had no choice in the matter whereas ang's thing he's the chosen one but he's it was all choice it was literally pick this and see what <laughs> you sh- you know and all this stuff and i think that's really like compelling um as as setting up you know two sides of the same coin and also you can tell there then that that's what they were heading toward was that eventually there would be like a change on one side or the other and obviously it's probably not going to be avatar the last airbender but uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably um, the not an actual person who is avatar the last airbender <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's really interesting because they are kind of both locked in to their destinies in in a sense, but then you can see that choice is like this defining facet of the Avatar world. Like, what are the choices you make? But of course for for Aang it's like he's in this temple, he has this mentor, like, and then obviously for Zuko, it's like, <laughs> it's dark. It's very dark, like, the whole narrative is quite quite intense. Um, so, I think that is, it's definitely interesting, and um, I think they do a really good job at kind of like, layering the backstories, and then introducing all the sort of characters that play in, and then you can, like, really see how we've come to this point um but the characters are always shifting um even zuko it's like he gets to a point where it's almost like he's gonna be good and then he decides to like renege on that but that's not the end you know it's not like and then he was like i'm evil and we're done it's like the choice literally like eats him alive until he Mm. shifts to the side of good um so i think I think it's is very interesting to watch because, yeah, the, the arcs are clear. Like, we understand them. We understand this is probably where Zuko is going to go. And then he goes there. I think that's really important because it's like sometimes it feels like we're watching something and we understand where a character is going and then they do not go there. And that's when it feels like, oh, that was cheap. What were we even investing in, in that case?
0: Yeah. And there again, I think that, like, they were they clearly knew what they were trying to do from the get-go and they weren't trying to trick the audience. Like, um, yeah. and I think the moments where like the, the anti-hero almost turns and then goes back, like you were saying, like decides, no, 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 I, I can't like completely sh- shake what I've been taught and all this stuff. That's part and parcel to it. It's not, it's not a, well, what did he do? You know, why did he go back? Oh no, it's a trick, you know, whatever it's it's the narrative making sense with the character and i feel like way too much especially game of thrones um but but star wars is is uh guilty of this as well like constantly trying to outsmart the audience and it's like just because you see something coming doesn't mean it's not satisfying um and like you know which i want to ask you actually because you're as you say a connoisseur of these anti-hero characters (laughs) at what point in your watching of this or did you already know that zuko was like a, one of these anti-hero characters what, at what point did you recognize him as such i
1: think i, I think i knew like i think mm. i think i think i knew i feel like i can smell them for a mile away like you know <laughs> like i knew from like the second we saw a dar walking in, in the rings of power that he wasn't like sauron and maybe right. he wasn't even like evil like i'm i feel like I remember very the inside baseball, inside Nerdist baseball. I told one of our writers, like I don't think he's on Sauron's team on Slack." I was like, "He's just he's it's not it's not that like it's something else like you know I can tell when a character is not fully committed to their evil right away." Um, <laughs> But no, I think I, I think, I think I knew Zuko wasn't evil. Maybe because he just seems like he's not going to be evil. I think for me, it probably came from watching like Yu Gi Oh, which I feel like is actually set up kind of in a similar way, where there's like Yu and he has the gang, and then there's Kaiba and he's this rival on the side, and, and they have this strong connection with one another, where they're like the equals of each other, and but they're but Kaiba can never quite fully commit to the ban um, even though he becomes less villainous and more he is willing to participate in certain activities if he has a stake in it and his life is in danger but he never fully commits to being like okay I'm part of the front group now the way Zuko does and actually mm. for Kaiba I allow that because I don't think that's in his character to do but, like, it obviously, again, in, like, fan circles and, like, you know, oh, I wish this happened, like, people are always like, well, what if Kaiba hung out with Team Yugi or whatever? So, I feel like Zuko kind of reminds me of the Kaiba character, and I really had liked Kaiba. And so, so I feel like Zuko is, like, one step more, they took it one step further than they did in Yu-Gi-Oh! When he was, like, not only will I forsake you know, the wrong trainings of my past, but I will actively embrace kind of like the friendship parts. Like I'll do my due diligence. I'll humble myself. I'll commit to winning everybody over. And then by the end, it's like he's ing- ingratiated in the friend group mm. and they're all genuinely friends. And that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> I,
0: I've i told you this before off mic, but I will tell you now on mic, um, listening to you say that makes me, think even more that you would enjoy common writer the new the newer yes. kind of runs of common writer because they're that show so frequently because they're, they're really long series um yeah every individual story gets one season of about 50 episodes and then mm-hmm. that's it and then they move on to something completely different new cast new everything um and uh s- they spend so much time on hero anti-hero secondary hero anti-villain regular villain like and the, and like changing sides like left and right and like who's actually going to end up being a good guy by the end and who's actually going to turn evil and all this stuff so much it happens and um i mean because a because you just need drama in your show but like and they're all like <laughs> handsome angsty boys
1: yes. <laughs> so
0: um
1: so. Yeah. yeah no i'm I will check it out and yeah. so should all of you listeners out there. Um, yeah. No, I one I, of these will. days
0: one of these days I want to have a common writer episode Exactly. And, uh, just whatever. But uh <laughs> I would specifically shout out Kamen Writer uh Writer Build, which is from twenty okay. what, seventeen or eighteen, something like that. Um, Perfect. I, I would absolutely uh, shout that one out because it's it's very good and also it has all those things.
1: <laughs> so yes. many characters that and, are I mean,
0: evil and turn good.
1: Listening to you talk, I think is I think another part of of Avatar and sort of what you mentioned is that like the interpersonal dynamics are so central to the episodes. Like things will happen. Yeah. Maybe there will be a battle. Maybe there will be action. But like at the core, it's about like. What are, who are your friends? Who are your enemies? What do those interactions look like? Even like for Zuko, it's really personal. Hunting Aang, it's not like oh he's a force of light and I'm a force of evil. It's like no, I have to regain my honor. This is about like my relationship with my father. It's not even so much about hunting Aang. It's just that Aang represents this like this deep like wound that Zuko has that he needs to repair. So that's kind of like the why it's happening and i feel like in some of these bigger franchises that that exist in this day and age like it's like the interpersonal relationships we're like lucky to get a scene with them sometimes you know and like to me that's that's the thing. And I think Avatar is all about that thing. And so that's why it feels so like you're being paid at least to me versus just like, Oh, like the action was great. The explosions were big. The special effects were good. Like, I feel like at the core of a good story, it's all about like the motivations and the dynamics and the interactions with one another.
0: Yeah. And, and like, like you said, it's not that the action isn't good, like on the show, but like, it's it's definitely the character the character interactions and the growth and everything characters who start out as kind of like like sokka's a good example who can be annoying um and then by the end you're like oh he's great like you know like they all kind of come around in a really like satisfying way i think um and like you know and i just think about all these other like animated series that kind of came after both man it's weird to think like how important Atla is because it not only spawned off into you know star wars um ancillary media but also voltron and then off obviously its own spin-off legend of Korot, um and just other shows that kind of have the same you know heroes heroes journey kind of you know big team up kind of um things and whether it's more comedic or not um it, it at its heart it had, it's all about like togetherness and family like. I I think it's very telling that both our main hero and our main villain have, I, I guess I could say support structures. Like they have different people who give them advice and stuff like that, uh, for good or ill. And it's like, and they meet people along the way and all that stuff. And I, I think it's like, it's, it's not just the singular hero doing singular things. It's like the group of people kind of, I don't know, existing together, traveling together. Like, I think there's something really, um, satisfying and like familial about that kind of uh relationship
1: yeah it definitely nails the found family narrative and sure. um, in in the best ways i and i think yeah i think it definitely has impact on um, on the other animated things i think it's also an interesting comparison point to like live action things um movies tv shows things like that you know like there's parts of the mcu that i really like i feel like Mm. they shortchange character interactions all the time like in infinity war and endgame the whole thing was like oh these characters who've never met before will meet but why did they meet it was kind of like a coin toss it was like who would be cool in a scene together and, and not so much like What would be meaningful in a scene together kind of like what interactions would drive a story forward um and that's why those kind of team-ups fell short for me where i feel like what avatar is like yeah i just watch it and i feel like that's exactly what i wanted it to be and it was great
0: (laughs) and that's i think you know i do kind of want to get into that because like you know, they, they obviously made a movie out of avatar, which is a train wreck. (laughs) Um, famously, one of the worst movies ever made avatar, or it's just the last airbender again, because James Cameron, but, um, which we won't even talk about. It's just bad. But I, I think television is the best way to, to kind of receive this story, if not in comic books, because obviously it is, it is a book structure and like, um, because you have so much time and you can, and it's all about journeying and all this stuff. You need that stuff. Whereas I feel like the MCU, um, the reason it feels kind of shortchanged is because you, these characters are in a movie a year and there's multiple movies, but they're not in every, they're not all in every movie. And so I definitely, you know, like one of the relationships, obviously it's a romantic relationship, but, um, Wanda and vision. Like I was like, really i'm supposed to buy this like great love story they've been in two movies <laughs> you know like, Lord,
1: don't get me started on that <laughs> right it's like the so emotional much of that stuff. Yeah. yeah no it was it was a lot this is a yeah. lot to take in but yeah but i just feel like i feel like it's almost like in some of these bigger franchises that that character interactions the moments where like oh there's a reunion or like something happened it's like it's almost like an afterthought like sprinkled on top of of some i'm, I'm not even sure some way to deliver all these like easter eggs and action scenes and things like that and i think sometimes right. they do do a good job not not always it's not always like that but i feel like sometimes it's just doesn't feel like that's the priority and like if it's not it's not you know i can't make i can't tell the MC what its priority is but i feel like
0: that, <laughs> we can tell it what it should be but
1: yeah. <laughs> we can tell what it should be yeah but i feel like that there's just like there's so many like there are so many character connections that do matter but then it's almost sometimes like they're like we don't even have the time to get into that. So we're just not going to even try. Almost. Right. Um,
0: Do you hmm. have, spe- I mean, you've obviously watched it a million times more than I have. Are the, do you have specific standout moments like along the path that are like key to Zuko's son of growth? This is sort of putting you on the spot of like specific. Yeah.
1: Things. Yeah. I mean, I feel like definitely in the beginning there's like, when Zuko rescues Aang from from his his enemy I'm um, the general whose name I'm blinking on right now I'm um, that he's kind of sort of the other big bad in in season one and I mm-hmm. the book one I'm um, and I feel like even though Zuko thinks he's rescuing Aang because he wants to capture Aang later like I feel like you can really tell that these are like that's like the seed of the moment because I'm um, you know, it's like they have Ang and Suko have like a moment after he rescues him, and it's just like, you know, you can tell that maybe at some point they will come together and they will have like this will be real and not just like this like contrivance of like I rescued you, so my enemy wouldn't have you. Like, um, and they fight together for the first time in that episode, so it's like. It's very powerful. Like, I think it's like called the Blue Spirit or something like that. Um, and then I think another good bunch of Zuko moments. Um, obviously, when he's kind of, he and his uncle, they've come to Ba Sing Se and, you know, they've opened this tea shop and Zuko is kind of like allowing himself to commit to like, okay I'll help my uncle with the tea shop but then he kind of gets wind that the avatar is there but you know and obviously he can't help but to try to find him um because that's his mission and goal in life um but I feel like that's actually good for Zuko because you can kind of tell he couldn't be happy like just mm-hmm. working in a tea shop like like, his uncle Ken, maybe, just, like, the simple life, and his uncle, he does support him, and he does kind of, like, give Zuko all this good advice, obviously, is a powerful, important figure in his life, but I think his uncle also just doesn't actually, maybe, for a while, like, understand, like, what kind of good Zuko could be, in a sense, Mm -hmm. like, his uncle's kind of, like, just forget about your dad, let's just hide out, let's just, like, be here live this simple life but obviously Zuko he can't do that he's not meant to just like just like you know vibe in a tea shop he's just not wired like that but then it's like how can he be himself but still not be evil you know right. and and I think that's an interesting that's an interesting time for Zuko in that time in Ba Sing Se because like maybe it's tempting to be like oh why didn't he just forget about his dad and stay in the tea shop and just like have a nice life with his uncle but also you know like that to be himself he he could not do that
0: yeah um, yeah yeah, yeah he goes on a date too you should point out that like he actually does <laughs> he, he, he does. gives i would say he gives it the college try of of leading a normal life
1: he does, he does, but there's that's like kind of what I feel like. There's just this connection with Aang, this connection with being more, this connection with like obviously he becomes the Fire Lord at the end, you know, like right. that's that's what's like right for that character, you know, and I think it, I think his uncle too needs to like come to that realization that it's like he'll never be able to just like remove. Zuko from like his his birthright in a sense or his like heritage. It's like how can Zuko be good? not just like how how is it possible to be good or like to live a yeah. quiet life? So I think that's like a really complicated and interesting like thing that Atla does in sort of Zuko's redemption arc, and then of course, he at that point turns away from his uncle goes back with his sister tries on that other life like so i feel like he's just trying these lives on throughout the show like he tries to -hmm. leave it all behind and then he tries to commit to being like this you know perfect son for his father obviously those don't work out i think one of like the best episodes um full stop in the series is when ang and zuko like Go and like commune with the dragons and like mm. learn fire bending because it's like for for Aang, it's obviously like he's feared fire bending for so long, so he can see that it's beautiful. And for Zuko, he's like been fueled by hate for so long, but it's like, how can you fire bend without the hate? Like, again, it's like, how can Zuko be Zuko, but like get rid of these parts of him that mm. are part of him? but do not allow him to like be his fullest and best self yeah. Um, so
0: yeah there's I, yeah. I like the the sort of implication that there's more um it, being good is not just not doing evil does that make sense like yeah like they like we can go hide but that's not actually doing anything that's not we're just not doing anything that's like inaction whereas like yeah like he has to sort of see both sides of it and i also really like the fact that the by the third arc the third season we get to see a lot of the fire nation and we get to see like what they're like and like they're just kind of people they've just been sort of led astray and stuff um which i think is really important because like you know for i mean especially early on the fire nation is just represented by a fleet of ships you know and it's just like this just seems (laughs) like You know, like they don't really seem like a people. They just seem like an army or a Navy, I guess, at that point. Um, And it's like, well, how could they not be the evil ones? There's, you know, they're conquering. And then, you know, the good guys are so small and they just kind of are going off on their own. But like, you know, by the third season, you get so much of just like them together. Like, hey, we're a bunch of teenagers, like kind of just doing teenager stuff. But we're the Fire Nation kind of stuff. So I, I really like that, too, because like it's not it as with most of the show, it's not just a hard black and white good evil like there there's there's uh gray areas and everything like that um the one i forgot to say this earlier but one of the ways that i knew that zuko was going to not end up being the main bad person is that he's a teenager
1: <laughs> and
0: they never in a cartoon would do that, <laughs> that guy is always an adult in,
1: in any kids show but, although azula although of course uh, you know azula is You know, she's also been groomed in this way. Correct. Um, She's also a teenager, but she does persist. And I actually thought that was interesting because that wasn't necessarily the ending I thought Azula would receive, just kind of in the, like, spirit of kind of everything else in the show. I don't actually know how I feel about it. I don't know if I feel good or bad about it like i don't think Mm. it it ruins anything for me but i do think it's interesting that she is like the only sort of person um teenager who is not like who does not have like an ultimately like productive growth journey but i think that that's also you know okay because not everybody obviously has to end up on the side of good but kind of to see her lose her mind like that Yeah, obviously it was bound to happen because she was so intense and so crazy and so committed to the cause. Um but it was it was definitely an interesting conclusion. It was interesting to sort of conclude with her as, you know, a very evil character next to her father. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I thought that was I mean, that was interesting, obviously. Um I I think that like it it was just a good mirror to Zuko to be like, you know, not only is he special for his abilities and stuff like that, he's also special because he has overcome this sort of this very clear kind of um, brainwashing upbringing where some people can't do that. And and that really, you know, um, that resonates to anybody who's like um, kind of, you know, anybody who has siblings, I guess, but (laughs) (laughs) most siblings are evil. Everyone knows that, but no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, But like that, she went, all right, you know, you're not going to do this. Yeah. I'm I'm going to take your place kind of thing and I'm going to yeah. stand by my dad's side and all this stuff. And being the second child also is like a big, you know, mm-hmm. I always standing in Zuko's shadow kind of thing. I think that was a really kind of brave thing to do for the show because they could have just yeah. made her Oh well, we'll we'll deal with you later, you scamp. Yeah. Like no, she's completely <laughs> she's one of the yeah. main antagonists by the end.
1: And I think it's very interesting too that, like, I was just re watching the finale, and, you know, Zuko is so sure. He's so steady in himself by the end. And she Mm -hmm. is so fragile at the end, like, just completely unhinged, and her power is kind of going out of control, and she has no sort of grounding so I think that is a very interesting sort of divergence between the two of them where she used to be the really like short one who like knew everything and like always was like so confident in herself and her path and Zuko used to be the one who like never knew what he was doing never doing the right thing and then like they've now come to this different point where he's like allowed himself to like embrace who he is and so finally he has a short footing in the thing he is doing mm-hmm. um, and that was a very powerful feeling
0: yeah i i do think that there was like they weren't gonna kill her you know what i mean like
1: yes uh, no certainly
0: not <laughs> seemed like a bridge too far but um but it was it was like wow like you know having her have that level of uh nervous breakdown i guess on a kid's show again i'm, yeah. putting, I'm, I'm putting too much emphasis totally on it a kid show. it was on nickelodeon like there was just so much about as a 90s kid growing up in Nickelodeon, that they would do kind of heavier stuff, but it would never be that level of like uh yeah. drama, I guess.
1: And I feel like I feel like Avatar is up there, like the everything about like the Suko arc, the family, it's just it's very crazy when you think about it. And then, you know, his his dad he maims him when he's a child, essentially, yep. and like forever he bears that consequence and then tries to kill him again when they meet like it's like very intense and tries to take over the whole world and you know even on the you know team ang side like ang's entire people have been wiped out katara watched her mom die basically she didn't like see it actively but it was like she saw her dead was the implication right. um so it's just like it's like pretty and in- pretty intense stuff all around and i think that's also why it speaks to many uh, sort of generations and I guess we can like slide into sort of the next horizon and this has to sort of do with like the Azula stuff and you know the end of, of Zugo's arc as well you know obviously they are making this new animated movie which feels like a sequel to mm-hmm. the series um, so it will be interesting to see like firstly who is it being aimed towards you know just like material wise age range wise many people who watched avatar when it was airing or in their you know following years are of a different age now than they were then but it is still this kid's show in the roots um so it will be interesting to see kind of what the aim of the new movie is what they aim it towards what mm-hmm. the reds they pick up i think what we were talking about with the Fire Nation is really interesting. To me, I think the most interesting part is like how does the Fire Nation reintegrate with the rest of the world? And how does the rest of the world see the Fire Nation after all of this has happened? On the one mm-hmm. hand, they are this this nation that we know is is not all made up of crazy fire lord Ozai's and Azulas. On the right. other hand, you know, what they were represented by to the rest of the world is like this you know this set of angry ships and pointy helmets so i think that would be a really interesting thing to for for the for the movie to like latch into and explore um but yeah we'll see
0: yeah i'm sorry i mean i'm definitely intrigued to see what they do because obviously there is a sequel like in technically there's a whole show yes. which is a sequel which yes. is the legend of Korra, which is um I, I was kind of surprised that there was like, oh, Aang's in it, and he's an old man. So it's like, okay, wow, okay. So that's, a, that's an oh, interesting...
1: Sorry, Aang is, Aang is dead in it, yeah. Because is the avatar, so...
0: Yeah, I'm pointing at you, because you're right. But like, <laughs> when we see Aang, he is an old man in that show.
1: <laughs> sorry. Yes, um, yes.
0: Uh, <laughs> apologies. Um, no, no, no.
1: Just wanted to clarify before everybody was like, he's not in yeah. that show, he's dead. He said that wrong.
0: Um... <laughs> But yeah, but it's because the show is so character driven, you do kind of want to see what happens next and not just kind of hear I hear tell years and years ago that this thing happened or whatever. <laughs> so like um and also it's interesting too that like they're going to do this animated sequel and then also do a live action I guess just retelling <laughs> of the animated series. I Yes. I'm I'm very I don't know, like
1: it's interesting.
0: <laughs> it's interesting. It's
1: complicated. <laughs> yeah complicated and interesting
0: (laughs) okay so let's let's get into this part of it because like Mm. obviously there are two schools of thought which is that one is animation should just remain animation we're seeing but then there's some that say like well if you can do it right you know we have other netflix series such as cowboy bebop which people absolutely hated um and then you have one piece which people are seemingly really enjoying and i think one of the, the main
1: and people yeah. i've not watched
0: it i'll be honest um but one of the major things i think that people are uh are picking up is that it, it's tone like the tone yes. of the cowboy bebop show was not the same as the tone of the cartoon and that dictates a lot of what was great about the show and the characters and all this stuff they they made it much more of like an, a comedy an action comedy which is not what mm-hmm. cowboy bebop was whereas one piece is like Hey, this is a weird zany cartoon. Let's make it a weird zany live action thing and like yes. you know, the all the laws of physics kind of break down the same way they would in a cartoon. And so like and then you have the movie The Last Airbender, which again is just a badly made movie, but there's nothing kind of dynamic about it in in yeah. a um you just don't buy any of the relationships or anything like that. It feels very staid, And I think for me, we'll get into, you know, we haven't seen the ending yet, but I think that's a lot of what the problem with the Ahsoka show to me is, is that mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like as warm or as, I guess, um, dynamic as the animated series, you know, versions of those characters were, are. Um, and so I, I kind of like, okay, just because you get the the look right or whatever or like, hey, that's yeah. you know, look at this giant CGI oppa that they've created. Like, that's not as interesting to me as if you have to get the right cast, you have to get the right tone, and that's that's what I'm kind of worried about. Especially having this movie come out where it's like, okay, now you can see what we main we what it should be probably, and then like, and now it's going to be in live action and just the same story you've heard before. So I, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth. What what is your kind of take on the live yeah. action aspect?
1: I think it's complicated. I think to hearken back to a a more age-old question about like (laughs) can anime or animated adaptations ever be successful in live action. I think to me, that's a really, it's a tough, I'm not going to say no. I haven't watched One Piece, the anime, so I can't speak to how successful it is as an adaptation. I can speak to it being successful as a live action show, right? But I'm... But for for these shows, I think it's always a hard mountain to climb because there are so many episodes in anime right, and animated right. series. You have so many episodes to tell this story. And then you have so many episodes that are filler episodes, but obviously some filler episodes contain something about the character. You know, like oh, you're yeah. still seeing the character engage in a world and that gives you something. Um, and of course, you have to cut that when you do a live action series, the way live action series are imagined these days. So I feel it's just like taking just like the compression that has to happen. It's like so complicated because you don't have those those fillers, those were going on an adventure, those kind of bottle episodes. And even for the arcs themselves, you just have less time. Because even in a filler episode, sometimes they're like, and here's a scene of the Fire Nation attacking a village or like taking over or just soldiers. You see more of the war, kind of. You mm-hmm. see moments and images of it. Um, so I just think that just at at the heart as a conceit, that's really what makes it difficult. And then, of course, you have everything on top of like tone and like, you know, who are you aiming it toward? Who's your right. audience? Like that all comes on top of just the sheer amount of material that needs to be sort of streamlined to make it work. Um, And I think that like that is really what the like the problem is, like if you had like all the time in in the world, like maybe maybe it would be easier, but to fit it into eight or ten episodes or something like that, like it's just the story wasn't written like that, I'm um, so right. so that to me is to me is where like the complications arise. Obviously, for the movie, like that's even less time, so I think that could never happen, but no. in a series, you know, I don't know. I hope it can happen. I did like One Piece. I mean, that's even more episodes. <laughs> right. Just to rewind. I can see where there are salient, like, arcs and moments in the, like, book one, let's say, of Avatar that, like, you remove everything else and you, like, go on that adventure. Kind of just, like, you know, probably it's, like... it'll end like at the siege of the of the south pole you know kind of mm. like the book one did and the whole story will kind of lead us to that place um and i think it's possible so i guess i guess we'll just have to see i feel like i feel like yeah i feel like it i feel like it will be interesting i feel like that i'm um, sort of tonally the one piece live action was really interesting to me because i feel like tonally it does does kind of feel like an anime and doesn't really feel like other live action things it, right. it is kind of just like really earnest and like kind of like Luffy is kind of reminiscent of, of like Aang like they occupy that same like yeah. sort of wide eyed like childlike in a sense but I think Luffy gets more serious more often than Aang does but I feel like it did play even though he did kind of have that kind of like earnest childlike facets um and you know sometimes the show would be really silly and kind of feel cartoony but then they would be chopping people's heads off so you'd be like okay like <laughs> this is this is its thing it didn't shy away from the gore although it felt a bit like sometimes it felt younger in a sense right um, so i thought that was that was quite interesting i i think that avatar is is maybe a more well maybe go a little bit more serious but hopefully it could maintain some of that like we're hunting turtle penguins or whatever is happening (laughs) but they do silly things sometimes
0: yeah i mean that's really like i i feel like it would be a mistake to like over mature ang at the beginning like Mm -hmm. he has to kind of be a wide-eyed you know naive character um who learns about the world via this this journey and all that stuff. I think yes. that's really integral to his arc and everything. And I so like and then aging them up I think would not be good because then then their literal age growth is not as you know. Silly. We don't get to yeah. see them. Yeah, exactly. So I am I'm, I'm kind of like you can definitely do it and mm-hmm. like the sillier I guess or cartoonier aspects could be made more realistic I guess for a live action yeah, yeah. series and not not lose too much but yeah it does need that kind of kind of childlike exuberance in the early parts in order for the ending to be as impactful I, as it is
1: I actually think this is another like point about that question about anime adaptations I feel like characters in anime are always anime aged right like they'll have an age yeah, and maybe they'll grow and develop but like it's not a real it's like even when they're younger and sometimes they act younger like that's it's never one-to-one with like how people act at that age like there's always kind of live in this sort of ageless place in a sense and then like develop in their stories but you know not necessarily about like oh you're 17 oh you're 23 well you're in animation fighting in a huge battle doing whatever you know Want you to do sort of regardless, and that is really hard to translate to live action where obviously people are of real ages and that does <laughs> have a huge impact. Um, so I think that's that's definitely another another hurdle, um, of the anime to live action, um, or animated since Avatar is not like an anime proverb to everybody listening. We know, right? <laughs> um, right. understand the
0: difference, yes,
1: <laughs> um, yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I mean, it'll definitely be interesting to see. Um, we have you know a ways to go for all of that stuff, but totally. Um, <laughs> the, the animated movie is not coming until twenty twenty five, so that's a that's a bit mm, off. And
1: Sad. then the, uh,
0: th- when is the show coming? Uh, twenty twenty four. So still a ways off. Still a ways yeah. off. So yeah. We're actually getting the yeah. live action first, so maybe that's. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I still kind of. I feel like there's definitely room for people to be um uh concerned and also the fact that uh the original creators left the project is also sort of disconcerting but um we could you know all we can do is kind of hope that the the general vibe and the tone and and the kind of um
1: Yeah, I mean I think I think the casting looks great. I mm. mean, it's like a super solid casting. I think pe- they look great, and like you know, hopefully, hopefully the story and all of that will will back that up. Um, I think in that way, like the live action, you know, it it could it could be like a great piece to see come to life. If hopefully it does come to life well, um, so yeah we do a ways to go and I think like I think for me almost the movie is is also in itself Mm -hmm. a question mark I feel in the same vein as the live action because it's like if the source is so solid and it's so good why do we need to touch it in a sense and obviously the capitalist answer to why do we need to touch it is right. obvious, um, but just like, you know, <laughs> from, from a fan perspective, you're like, yes, I want more. But then you're like, huh, but what will I get if they give me more? Will they, will they understand the assignment? Um, and I feel like, especially with something like Avatar that's been present for so long in a completed feeling form and people have had so long to think about, Where it could go if it came back. Like, it's not like it came back a year later and people are like, oh, yeah, it's a sequel. We'll see what they give us. It's like, no, people have been sitting with this for like almost a decade. They know what they think maybe came next. Like, and there's no way a movie will hit everybody's visions of like, how should things go? Um, So I feel like that's always a tricky part of it. But I guess. I guess we'll just wait and learn more and then we'll have a better idea.
0: I guess. Yeah, I guess we will. Yeah. The cast list is super stacked for the show. So I'm, that's, that is exciting. Um, They're very good. I, I think uh, Paul Sun Hyung Lee as Iro is maybe the best casting ever. He, yes. just, looks like he just looks
1: exactly it's like amazing. him. amazing. Perfect. It's really good. It's really good. Um, so I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. like, you know, there are things to feel excited about. i But of course, the history of of these kind of adaptations and just the complexity of the show itself. It's like, just make sure you understand the show. (laughs) And obviously, like, yeah, that's all we can hope for is that, you know, I think the I think this is what I felt from One Piece, even though I haven't. Again, watched much of the anime or read the manga is that the creators watched the material they had and like understood the heart of the characters Mm. and then they brought that facet to life instead of worrying about whether it was like point perfect from like one to the next it was like Mm -hmm. this is sort of the vibe or the like core of each of these characters and that's what we're going to work on bringing and then sort of the rest is just like Will fall into place in a way that feels authentic because we've brought over the most important parts. Um,
0: Yeah. So it's not the look of the characters. I I, again, I look at like the Cowboy Bebop show, which I thought was fine. I I know a lot of people absolutely hated Mm. it, but um, they made they spent so much time making the the new the cast members look exactly like the animated characters, and then they didn't act at all like them, and and that's like a problem. And so I think that like yeah they have to <laughs> as long as they pay attention to that and kind of to tie it back to our main conversation it's like zuko's arc is so integral to the success of the series um like there's a reason he's set up from the first episode and you know he has this arc throughout the entire series the same way that all the other characters do he is one of your four main characters essentially so um he needs to have somewhere to go. So they need to really pay attention to that. I think that like much more than anything, like other than being played by Depp Patel, who's a good actor, that the movie really was just, just didn't do it right. Just didn't didn't do anything right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. It doesn't. Yeah. It's that, that feeling. That's the most important thing. Like that, the avatar feeling. And obviously that's not like a, great clear directive for how you can you know make it feel make more
0: avatar like
1: make it feel avatar but I feel like you can feel it when it's bright like you could be like okay this this is the feeling that I was that I was looking for coming into it. Um, but yeah we'll see. I know that there was some discussion about like Zuko's scar and the sort of first look images and how it didn't look quite scary enough um and I think I'm gonna tend to agree on that point and I think I think that does kind of tie into the idea of it um mm-hmm. of Zuko's arc because like that scar is so integral and it is like this is it's like this is the reason why Zuko is how he is so mm-hmm. like hopefully it was just a first look picture and they like They got it and go back and and deepen the scarification of the scar because I'm like, this is a stand-in for understanding all of Zuko's journey. So understand it. Okay.
0: (laughs) It looks, yeah, it looks too badass. (laughs) You know, it needs to look like it was. It looks
1: a little bit like, you know, like a black eye. And it's just not, it's not, you know, it's like, this is like a serious injury. And I feel like. But then, of course, we're also like, but make sure it's still light, okay? So we have a lot of desires, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully it will go well.
0: Yeah, hopefully it will go well. The story of watching things Katara, that you love. I will
1: say Katara, Sokka, and Aang look great. So it's true. Good for them.
0: I'm very proud of them. I don't know. I don't know. What I'm talking
1: about. <laughs> How do um, you Netflix?
0: Good job. Way to cast people who look right. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so that was our discussion of avatar. Obviously there's a lot more to discuss about the show. If we wanted to do a different angle, we can do that. Um, but Ro was just very, and I think it was made for a really good discussion, but was very, uh, adamant that we talk about Zuko's arc specifically. Um, because he has the, he had the furthest to go. I think like, you know, he had uh wavering is always much more interesting than just hardline. I'm this from beginning to end. Um, so yeah. So thank you uh, for being on the show. Do you have any other things you want to recommend?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little. You can't see me, but I'm in my like pirate vibe shirt. So I have to say that I really enjoyed Netflix's one piece. I thought it was great. Like I said, I have not watched any of the prior source material. Um, because I confess that the art style is not like one that particularly leaps out to me, but the live action was amazing and I thought it was fun and earnest and inspiring and I'm very hard on my TV shows, so you can take it from me. It was a good time and I think you should watch it and we'll get season two because it's been renewed. So all the better true. for us.
0: What do you mean you and didn't want to watch 1,077 animated episodes?
1: You know what? The truth is that if the art had appealed to me, I would have gladly watched 1,077 anime episodes. But unfortunately, it's just like, I, I keep, I'm i going to give it another try. So so don't come for me. But something about the eyes, that they're just like black dots, it really disconcerts me. And I just like cannot <laughs> quite get over it. Um, yeah. But maybe maybe I will again try um, because I do love the characters that I met on the live action very much and would gladly watch 1,077 episodes of the live action. <laughs> so hopefully we'll get I hope get they there. do it. I
0: hope they do a one-to-one. <laughs> and That the, would the really be Luffy something. Be, yeah. <laughs> it will be, <laughs> be old. 52 years old by the time they finish. <laughs> um well great I, you. I do want to say everyone um a bit of like what's coming up on this the show I, n- I never tease anything really um but we are coming up on october um which is uh here at nerdist our favorite month of the year we love a nerdoween and so there's going to be nerdoween themed episodes all month uh covering various gamuts of spooky and scary and things of that nature. We will also have bonus episodes every week in which I will give you my top 10, let's say, um, uh, recommendations for various uh, uh, horror ge- sub genres and movies to watch. I'm a big movie guy. I'm a big horror movie guy. So, and I love talking about them and I love hearing myself talk. So those will be fun. Um, little Little short bonuses for you every week as well. So that is definitely what is coming up um row will be back for at least one of those episodes um we haven't quite figured out who's going to be our roster but with these are going to be a little bit more gang episodes not going to just be one-on-one for a few of them um because that's fun too we're gonna we all love spooky scaries and so uh we we all want to talk about it and if it gets too unruly we will never do it again but anyway um row thank you again thanks for being back excited to have you on in the near future.
1: Thank you. I was very happy to be here. And thanks for letting me discuss Zuko and all the other anti-hero faves.
0: Absolutely. Anytime. And thank you all at home for listening or in your car. I don't know where you're listening to this, listening to Laser Focus. Uh, I'm Kyle Anderson. Join me again next week when my guest will be a different person. Bye-bye. Laser Focus is a production of Nerdist Industries and Legendary Digital Networks. It was produced, edited, and hosted by me, Kyle Anderson. For more, visit Nerdist.com.